Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Crisis Next Door. A weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world. With host Jason Brooks. Thanks for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks. Venezuela is on a potential collision course with the U.S. and other nations who have recognized National Assembly Leader Juan Guaido as the country's president instead of Nicolas Maduro, who was sworn in for a second term earlier this year, despite international condemnation of the election last year on widespread claims of vote rigging. Millions of Venezuelans are fleeing the country with widespread shortages of food and medicine. Joining the crisis next door to examine this awkward arrangement is Ambassador James Dobbins, a senior fellow and distinguished chair in diplomacy and security at the RAND Corporation. Ambassador Dobbins has served under several presidents, including Barack Obama, George W. Bush and Bill Clinton, and handled some of the toughest diplomatic assignments, including Afghanistan, Bosnia, Kosovo, Haiti and Somalia. Ambassador Dobbins, thank you for joining the crisis next door. My pleasure. Nicolas Maduro says he's willing to talk with opposition leader Juan Guaido, saying it's for the sake of Venezuela's future. Should we be encouraged? Do you think Maduro is truly interested in working with Guaido? It's hard to see how they could come to any enduring uh, uh, agreement. Um, uh, Maduro's running a, 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 a corrupt and, uh, and, and highly uh, uh, incompetent administration. And it's uh, unlikely that some minor fixes uh, that might result from such a negotiation would change the situation. Um, uh, if he agreed to new elections under international observership, that might make a difference. But uh, those would almost certainly le- uh, lead to his uh, departure. Uh, so I'm, I'm skeptical that much will come of that. And I think the, uh, the Venezuelan opposition is skeptical as well. Guaido has been very quiet in response to Maduro's overture. Is that a sign that he's emboldened by international recognition from the U.S. and others as the country's president to potentially overthrow Maduro? Well, I think I, I think the intention of the opposition is, in effect, to force Maduro from from office, ideally peacefully, ideally as the result of peaceful protests, um, and uh, and ideally as the result of peeling away his support, including his support in the military. Um, and I'm sure that uh, uh, that Guaido is uh, uh, is encouraged and uh, supported, uh, not just by American, but by much broader international support. And that seems to be the big question right now. The protests are growing in size throughout Venezuela. And whether or not Maduro will be peaceful in his handling of the protests or whether or not there's a severe crackdown, what kind of a gamble, what kind of a roll of the dice is Maduro facing in how he handles those protests? Well, his main concern is that the military doesn't turn against him or refuse to act uh, against the uh, against the opposition. Um, that's how um, uh, uh, Mubarak fell in uh, Egypt, for instance, um, and uh, and that's his principal vulnerability. 
um, uh, the, the senior military officers have been paid and indeed uh, have been parties to the corruption of the regime, but the enlisted personnel have uh, have not and, and, and have got largely gone unpaid in recent months. Um, and so there's, there is a chance of significant defections. And that split would obviously be very important. And Maduro has seemingly relied on a lot of paramilitary groups to crack down on protests over the past couple of years. Uh, do you think that he understands that this is a dicey situation with the military? And while he may have upper officer support, that the enlisted support may not be there and that he has to be very careful in how he uses the military against the protesters? Well, that's why he has been more careful now than, than sometimes in the past and why uh, he hasn't engaged in outright repression um, uh, of a sort that uh, that we've seen prior. So, so yes, I think he is uh, aware that his uh, situation is perilous. But where he'll, you know, how he'll react when finally driven to the wall, we just don't know. The talk of military intervention has been buzzing since the U.S. and others recognized Guaido. And Washington has left open all options. Should the U.S. be considering a military strike? I, I think that's really more a question for Colombia and Brazil, the neighboring countries. Um, uh, certainly any strike would have to be mounted from those countries um, and uh, and largely manned and uh, supported by those countries. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, and the United States uh, would be unwise to to play a dominant role in that as opposed to supporting uh, a regional reaction. Um, uh, I, I'm, at this stage, I would not, I, I think a, a military intervention is, uh, le- is, is not the most likely uh, development. Brazil and Colombia have been greatly affected by the refugees coming from Venezuela, at least one million in Colombia alone. Both have spoken out against Maduro. Do these countries have the kinds of militaries that would be capable of going into Venezuela and propping up Guaido as the new leader? I mean, they certainly have some military capability. Um, Colombia has been fighting a, a guerrilla war uh, fairly successfully for uh, several decades. And and Brazil has done a lot of U.N. peacekeeping, but not otherwise engaged in conflicts. But it's a it's a very big country. Um uh, and uh, and the U.S. could potentially support such efforts. As I said, I don't think this is the most likely development. Uh, uh, there's a, a pretty strong um, consensus in Latin America against uh, those kinds of interventions, which would have to be overcome. Um, Maduro's such an, a competent and corrupt, uh, and corrupt uh, administration and has done such uh, devastating damage to Venezuela that it's possible that there could be support for such an intervention. But as I said, I think it's it's not the most likely development. Russia, China, Iran and several other countries continue to back Maduro. And Russia has warned the U.S. to lay off. How much of a factor is Russia's support for Maduro? I think Russia and Chinese uh, economic support has been important. Um, they uh, have uh, uh, it, it, they've been repaid by uh, uh by oil exports and um, uh, and uh, I would say that Russia is more likely to um, become actively engaged in the diplomatic field, at least in support of Maduro and in the economic field. It's a long way from Russia to um, Venezuela, and so Russian military activity is probably 
uh, going to be limited, if, uh, if at all. There are reports that uh, Russian uh, mercenaries, who uh, probably operate under uh, some oversight from the Kremlin, uh, are present in, um, in Venezuela. But I'd be surprised if the Russians were prepared to commit beyond that. With those private contractors who reportedly are protecting Maduro, could those act as a tripwire, or would that complicate a potential action by the U.S. against Maduro? I don't think so. We killed a number of them in uh, Syria recently, and the Russians didn't react. There is also a lot of support for Maduro coming from other countries, such as Turkey, Syria, Iraq, Vietnam, Belarus. Are we seeing a new global divide occur with countries taking up different sides around the world based on the kinds of governments that uh, we're seeing, whether it's a, a more of a Western liberal democracy versus more of the authoritarian governments that we're seeing in those countries supporting Maduro? Well, for most of those countries, it's a purely nominal support. I mean, they're not going to actually do anything um, except vote in the U.N., and if they did, they'd vote in a, in a minority. Um, uh, I, I think it there's certainly a, a, a long tradition of resistance to uh, outside interventions. Um, the non-aligned movement at one point had hundreds and some countries belonging to it, and uh, and they were strongly resistant to uh, interventions, particularly Western interventions, particularly interventions designed to sort of promote democracy. Um, uh, and uh, Latin America as a whole has been... Uh, very uh, resistant to American interventions, uh, but have been persuaded on occasion when the situation was so dire to temper that uh, resistance. So Latin America did, in the end, support an American intervention in Haiti, for instance, in 1995 um, to restore a democratically elected president. And it looks like uh, much of Latin America is supporting the United States in its uh, recognition of the uh, opposition leadership. You're listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm Jason Brooks, and we're talking about the political instability in Venezuela with Ambassador James Dobbins, a senior fellow and distinguished chair in diplomacy and security at the RAND Corporation. The U.S. has opposed new sanctions against Venezuela's state-owned oil company, preventing U.S. firms from doing business with the company, uh, could result in $11 billion in export losses this year for Venezuela. Uh, that move will further cripple the country's economy. Is that the right call? Well, the losses would be to the Venezuelan, to the Maduro government, um, uh, and, uh, and the benefits would go to the opposition. Uh, the U.S. has uh, recognized the opposition leadership as the, the rightful government and has made arrangements that the proceeds from uh, sale of Venezuelan oil in the United States would go not to um, the Maduro government, but to the alternative government. Um, how that's actually going to work is still to be um, worked out, but um, but it's not as if the proceeds are necessarily denied to Venezuela as a country. Um, but uh, this is uh, almost uh, Venezuela's last lifeline. It exports a lot of oil to China and Russia, but the Chinese and Russians have already paid for that long ago. Uh, it's being it's being provided in in repayment of existing debts, and so they they gain no new uh, resources as a result of those exports. It was only the exports to the U.S. that uh, were giving them new resources, and now they won't have that. 
Maduro has demanded that American diplomats leave Caracas, but Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has declared that the U.S. won't abandon its diplomatic presence in the country. How important is that move by the U.S., and is it risky to the diplomatic team staying there? It's somewhat risky. I don't think Maduro would uh, risk harming them. One could imagine him putting them all on buses and driving them to the frontier at some point, uh, or just um, uh, preventing entry and exit from the embassy and letting them hold up in the embassy till their food runs out. Um, uh, So, I mean, Maduro has alternatives that uh, don't involve taking hostages or harming Americans. Um, uh, And... uh, and, and and to the extent he's provoked, uh, he's probably going to do one of those. Peru and Colombia have also threatened to close their embassies in Venezuela in order to increase pressure on Maduro. Is that the right move? Or should these nations maintain a diplomatic presence in the country in order to gain some sort of intel on what's happening on the ground? I think probably I think it's hard for even if they stay in the country, it's probably hard for them to operate. Certainly Maduro can interfere with their ability to gain information if he just locks the gates and doesn't let them out of their embassies. Um, I think countries have to make their own judgments in that regard. Even if Maduro is forced to step down or is overthrown as Guaido takes over, the challenges facing Venezuela are enormous. A study from three universities in the country found that the average Venezuelan lost 24 pounds over the past year due to food shortages. And it's also estimated that the country's exodus will top 5.3 million this year, putting more pressure on neighboring countries. What would Guaido's first steps be to push Venezuela back in the right direction if he was the sole president of the country? Well, first, I think he would um, open the country to uh, international humanitarian assistance, which would, I think, flood uh, in and meet immediate uh, needs for food and medicine. So I think that those shortages could be dealt with fairly quickly as a result of um, aid, uh, humanitarian aid from the United States and from many other countries. And I think that would be forthcoming. Um, uh, I think he uh, obviously needs to um, begin um, uh, employing oil revenues and, uh, and increasing oil production as quickly as possible, opening the country to foreign investment. Um, and uh, perhaps the most important thing they'll need to do in the short term is uh, re- rein in uh, ridiculous inflation rates of, you know, many thousand percent uh, uh, every month. Ambassador uh, Dobbins. Which, may, which oh. may, recall, may require introducing a new currency. Ambassador Dobbins, you've handled a lot of tough assignments over the years, whether it's Afghanistan, Bosnia or Haiti. Uh, when you look at Venezuela, what are your thoughts on where this country is headed, and is it is it looking at a, a long, dark tunnel before it gets to that light at the other end? It's hard to say. I mean, it, it, certainly if this becomes a, 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 an active conflict, I mean, nobody wants Syria in the middle of uh, South America. Uh, and uh, one could imagine the, the situation developing into a long-term civil war. Um, and I think uh, it would be foolish to precipitate Venezuela into such a, a such a situation. Um, on the other hand, if, uh, if Maduro can be ejected more or less peacefully, um, uh, I think Venezuela is not going to present the kind of problems that we have seen in other countries where 
Um, the populations are badly divided uh, along ethnic and linguistic and religious grounds. Um, uh, Venezuela was uh, not so long ago the um, most prosperous country in uh, Latin America or certainly in uh, South America, uh, and uh, and could quickly be uh, be be relatively prosperous again. Just some uh, sensible management. Um, I think if Maduro goes and uh, a reformist regime is uh, introduced peacefully, I think millions of Venezuelans will go home very quickly, and uh, the and with a. Uh, a country that's open to foreign investment, foreign aid, and likely to receive a good deal of foreign aid, um, I would think that we're not going to see the kind of enduring problems we have had in Iraq and Afghanistan and Libya, for instance. We can certainly hope for a prosperous future sometime in the near future for Venezuela. Ambassador Dobbins, thank you very much for joining us on The Crisis Next Door. My pleasure. We've been joined by Ambassador James Dobbins, a senior fellow and distinguished chair in diplomacy and security at the Rand Corporation. I'm Jason Brooks. Thanks for listening to The Crisis Next Door. Till next time. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.